Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. And before we get started, I, in honor of today's podcast, I have to give a shout to all of our childhood friends. I have to give a shout-out to Scooby-Doo. I have to give a shout-out to Mr. Ed, Benji, and a lot of the animals that we had enjoyed as children because we felt they could talk to us. And our guest today is going to talk about that as well. She's, we have Halloween that is 11 days away, and many people know that that is when the veil is very thin between the third dimension and other dimensions. And Halloween can be a nightmare for pets. So while people are really excited about the hustle and bustle of trick-or-treating, we need to remember our furry friends. We have an animal communicator here. We also, she also has uh, two books on Amazon, Science of Intuition, as well as The Spiritual Psychic. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Nora Trusella to the podcast. Welcome, Nora. Thank you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of you. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And I I do have to ask you, um, because I noticed that you are from Philadelphia, and I am from Tri-State, too. I'm from Jersey. So the most important question today for people in that area is, will the Eagles beat uh, the Cowboys tonight? Oh, don't even put me there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I... I have three sons and a husband. Now, all my sons are grown and married. But, I mean, we eat, sleep, and drink Eagles football to nausea. And if I ever, ever predicted that the Eagles weren't going to win, even if I knew they weren't going to win, I would be (laughs) killed before the end of the day. So I'm not opening my mouth on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so I'm going to be sneaky about that because we're talking about Mm -hmm. our animals for Halloween. Is there any way we can communicate with that eagle to kind of swoop down when the cowboys throw that ball so we can get some (laughs) interceptions? Well, maybe maybe we can, you know, pulling the great eagle spirit to just knock the ball out of the Dallas hands every (laughs) once in a while. That'll be okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, thanks for making the podcast. As you can tell, we um, look at the lighter side of life. Uh, David could talk a little bit about uh, Berkeley Psychic Institute. They have they had a newsletter talking about are you psychic or are you crazy, and. I know that's what you encounter when you talk to people. They think, I'm crazy, I'm crazy, and you yes. automatically say, no, you're not. And I, I love your story, and I'd like to go a little bit into that because some people we speak with, they're, it may be a very lonely road where it's just them, and maybe they may go through some of these transitions or transformations, but you grew up in a family of intuitives. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your, your background. I'm Lebanese descent, um, third generation from the other side. So I'm very American, but I'm also very, we held on to our culture, the food, the music, the belief systems. So the fact that my father and my sister were highly intuitive uh, when I was younger was not unusual. So I was very fortunate where in many families, when most children are highly intuitive, they're shut down pretty quickly or they're told it's their imagination. They're not encouraged. Where I, When I approached my father, I was totally accepted as being normal, and it was accepted. It was normal. So it was, I, I, was, I was fortunate where many are not. So when, even though I was feeling crazy and feeling overwhelmed with so much information coming at me so quickly and not being able to control it, Once I approached my father and he helped me understand we're all radios and we just have to tune into our own particular station. And then he followed up with, some of us are better radios than others, but we all can do it. Really was eye-opening to me because it wasn't like I was special. Yes, I was fortunate that I could tune in easily and that I had real quick access. But when he said everybody's a radio, 
help me understand that this is available if you want it to be. And that's why I continue to, as I grew and matured, wanted to teach and show people how simple it is through spiritual growth to open these channels and really get fabulous advice and assistance. Absolutely. And uh, one thing I, I do have to say, I really like that, that uh, we are all radios. And I know that some of the Abraham talks, talks about that as well as uh, dialing in, tuning in, and tapping in. And exactly. How are, you, how are you able to discern? I, I think there, I like to talk a little bit about overcoming that fear, like you said, and we're all radios. How are you able to discern uh, benevolent, information you were getting versus uh, malevolent information. If I can, I'm going to take a minute and just explain what happened to me when I was younger. Was um, I'm 13 years old. I start to open up. Now I'm having fun. My father tells me this is normal. You just got to tune in. Now he doesn't explain to me I should set limitations. He doesn't explain to me you have to Um, create a safety zone. You have to make sure you're strong spiritually. Um, He just lets me go. Well, by the time time I'm in my young 20s, I'm physically and mentally breaking down. I literally was getting sick. Every morning for about three months, I would wake up feeling like I was dying. Literally, I knew I was dying, but I couldn't understand. How could I be dying? I'm strong. There's, There's nothing wrong with me, but I'm dying. The pain in my chest, I would have trouble breathing, and it was Christmas morning, around 10 after 10, I think it was, I suddenly had all my vitality back, all my energy came back, and I looked at the clock, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know, whatever that was oppressing me and making me sick, but it's gone, I was so relieved. Our phone rang a few minutes later, literally, like less than 10 minutes later. My grandfather had died of a massive heart attack a few minutes prior, just outside our home after visiting us Christmas morning. What was occurring was I was picking up his illness, his slow death, and I didn't know I was. And that creates a horrible feeling because now... I, I can feel that. I'm picking up death everywhere. I'm picking up illness everywhere. It was getting so horrific that I finally, by the time I was 22, threw my hands in the air and said, this is not a gift. I no longer want this. Take it back. Boom. It was gone. Everything I could do, from astral travel to simple reading tower cards, was gone. And I thought God punished me. In that moment, I was like, wait a minute, I, I shouldn't have gotten rid of all of that. But what I realized was he didn't take it back. He held it in reserve as I slowly strengthened my spiritual side. As I got strong in my spiritual beliefs and practices and ways of pulling in energy from the divine, I noticed my talents, my skills started to reopen. Eventually, now we'll fast forward another 30 years. I'm giving away my age now, you know. <laughs> I started, I learned a technique from um, a phenomenal psychic, Caroline Lieris. She actually was on Ripley's Believe It or Not. She was teaching people to see, blind people to see with energy. And there was a little girl riding a bike around obstacles who was totally blind. And she taught me how to feel for energies that are angry versus joyful. And it took a process, and it was quite a bit of, of doing in order to identify it. Well, over the years, I streamed it down to a couple simple meditations over a few days where you can learn to distinguish that energy for yourself. So now, when I get a message... If it's a message that's coming on an angry vibration, I now ignore it, shut down, say a prayer, get out of there. If it's coming on a joyful one, celebrate that. That message is going to help you a lot. Most of them are neutral. You don't get angry or joy from it. 
so you can use it you know with common sense and using your logic you you weigh everything with intuition you don't just go with your intuition you use your intuition and your logic you marry them together and uh, that's very important I call it the intuitive footprint and it's a way to distinguish anger and energies from joyful energies when to listen when to run I really like that Nora especially now I mean we're talking about the holiday holiday season beginning of it uh, starting with Halloween and we know that the veil is very thin and in the entertainment world if you will there's a lot of those horror films that do come out and so you have that lower energy and people are excited about it but they're not using that discernment that you're talking about no they're not and I mean you believe it or not I cannot watch the haunting the series Mm-hmm. That that has such a low vibration. It literally starts to shake my body wrong, and I'm like, whoa, and I'm getting all the warning signs. I shut it down. I cannot watch that show. That is, even though very true and very strong, powerful in its messages, it's also very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand everything is energy. We are energy Everything is energy. Our entertainment is energy, just at different vibrations, but still energy. And you don't see all energy, but you feel it, and it does alter you, and it can mess with you emotionally, physically, all of it, spiritually. And many many moons ago, uh, for hunting and gathering and such, we had dogs that would go out ahead of us and they kind of saw the terrain before us and many of us have pets in our homes and you're saying that during the holiday season that they feel a lot of that lower energy and most of us are like oh just shut up dog stop yelling stop barking and what are some ways that we can use that communication with our pets to know um, to better discern what's around us well, you have to use logic with this, especially on Halloween night when you have all these trick feeders coming and going. Of course, your dog is going to get extra stressed or extra excited just because of the people coming and going. But if you notice that the animal is constantly in one section of the house losing it and just barking galore or really upset, there might be more there. And it's a chance to just say a prayer and invite in the divine. Um, And I don't care what religion you are. You know, whatever religion you are, that's the religion that serves you to build your spirituality. That's the prayers you use. Or you just ask, God of light and love, come on in here and help clear this out that my dog is noticing. Or that my cat is like, all of a sudden getting very angry and swiping where they wouldn't usually swipe uh, to strike out. Say that little prayer and invite in the good energy because where there's light, there cannot be darkness, but you have to be careful with the term of light. You want love included, not just light. And that's mm-hmm. another whole thing. We won't go into that. This show's not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> But our animals, yeah, our animals are very sensitive. They're going to be aware of things you might not be aware of, and you all start noticing it. If there's something not good in your home, the animals notice it even when it's not Halloween. So if your animal suddenly changes behavior, especially cats and dogs, take notice to it and invite in some good energy and good light and love. Um, but on Halloween, you have to take into consideration the logical part. You got a lot of people coming and going, so that's disturbing to them also. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, David. Oh, yeah, Nora. I was going to ask you in all your communications with with pets. Do you know? Do you, have you noticed anything common, like when you're communicating with dogs? Uh, as opposed to cats or vice versa? You know, this funny you said that. Once a dog realizes that you actually take the time to listen to them and that you do, you can confirm that you hear them, 
they'll never shut up. They'll go a mile a minute. They'll want to tell you everything about what's happening in the moment for them. Where a cat is very much like a cat acts. It's, they could have care, you know, they'll communicate if they feel like it, but they're not as chattery as a dog is. Birds, the pet birds are pretty chattery also. They, they enjoy the fact that you take the time to actually acknowledge that they exist and are communicating with them. It means a lot to the animals. Even the cats who are kind of standoffish, it means a lot to them. It's like, oh, you're not taking me for granted. You realize I have a purpose and that I'm here for a reason to serve you in X, Y, Z way. There's different ways that they serve us. Um, Dogs are mostly unconditional love and protection. Cats, believe it or not, serve us often by absorbing the illnesses so that before we get them, you'll notice somebody's cat has leukemia and then you find out later the person in the family has leukemia. Uh, the cats really work to try to keep the illness from us. So those are some uh, common things. Yeah, okay. I would think that uh, when you're talking about cats or pets absorbing humans' uh, uh, diseases, that what would you say to humans that feed their pets animal foods? Because you have a lot of pets now that are having human diseases. I don't, um, first of all, a lot of the cat and dog food is horrible. Just mm-hmm. like a lot of human food is horrible. Mm-hmm. So that's, the animals are getting sick due to the bad food, not just for, but when I talk about the purpose, their purpose for being there often is to try to assist in protecting them from the negative energies of an illness that is becoming present in the person's body. They'll try to absorb it. That's not, that's not in alignment with the food stuff. The food is poor quality. Uh, there are great people like uh, Dr. Judy Morgan, a phenomenal veterinarian, with her own line of food, and she even has cookbooks so you can make your own food for your pets, Um, very healthy-oriented. That's a different situation. That illness is, you know, separate from the illness of trying to protect the human, taking it from the human in hopes that the human gets themselves situated better before it absorbs into their body. That's a good point. And I I want to... It does, okay. and I want to get your experience on, on this. So when I, sometimes if you speak with other people and if you say something inquisitive, they'll kind of tilt their head to the side like, oh, that's interesting. And I noticed that if you, say, if you talk to a dog or a cat or a bird, sometimes they'll actually tilt their head you as well say, like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It, isn't it so wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> they listen to us. We just don't listen to them. They uh, absolutely listen to us. They absolutely read our energy, understand what we're saying, know our emotions. So that's why they get very excited when you show in return that you're doing it to them. Now, how do you do it is another story. There's a couple, they talk to us in pictures. They talk to us in words. Um, very often, like a quick video, like a quick little video move will run through your mind, and you'll be like, did I just imagine that? And no, you didn't. So when you, you take the time to calm yourself, and I always tell everybody, say your prayer of protection before you do anything. So you say your prayer of protection, you calm your energy down, you bring it into your hands, and you just start to comb your pet or around your pet, like you're not going to necessarily hold a bird. Um, Well, some people hold their birds, but not everybody. And you just allow the energy to read to you. And with practice, you start to feel things, hear things, smell things, see things, and those are the messages. And then you can start to connect the dots. I was working with a group at a veterinarian hospital, And we weren't quite sure what was going on with a particular dog that just would not sit still no matter what. It always wanted to run. 
And after scanning him, the student scanned him and then I scanned him, and we both got the same exact image of this dog running rapidly through a tree line under fences, and we both had a sense of panic. We both interpreted it as the dog was abused and was trying to escape. It was, it was that kind of panic, like getaway panic. And once the dog understood we got it, it calmed down. It just calmed down. It was like, oh, they understand. They're not trying to hurt me. I don't need to get away from them. It was beautiful. Huh. I like that. Okay, I want to I want to give another scenario, and I want to get your take on this. So, my shout out to uh, my baby sister. She had gotten a dog for the, her family not too long ago. They still I'm in Atlanta, so they you know go back to Jersey all the time, and so. The dog didn't recognize me, so, you know, he's growling, what have you. And I sat down on the floor, and I had my sister sit next to me, and the fact that she sat next to me and gave me a hug and everything, that allowed the dog to come over, and now the dog's my best friend. And I wanted to get your take because sometimes I use it, and I know others use it, if you're dating or you're meeting someone new and they come by and your pets tell them, about tell you about them before <laughs> before you figure out who they are six months down the line okay so if you were intending harm on the family if you were t- intending to be an evil uncle that dog no matter how much your sister hugged you still would not be your friend so it's a great way yeah energetically dogs read every all kinds of energy Cesar Ramirez, you got to love the man. I mean, he talks about that constantly. It's your energy. It's your energy. But the dog yeah. do sense dark energy. So if it knows your intent is to harm anybody in that house, it would not have been friendly with you. So if your dog is just not getting along with the new girlfriend, they're like, it's not that the new girlfriend intends harm. It's just there's a part of her that isn't at peace and will create disturbance in your life. I'm kind of laughing (laughs) inside for that one because there was another scenario where it wasn't my dog. Uh, It was a a new girl and I had gone to her house and it was kind of like her dog was telling me who she was before she would tell me who she was. (laughs) (laughs) the dog dog was giving you the scoop is that what you're saying yeah he was like hey us us dogs right so i don't i'm not this holier than thou us dogs gotta stick together (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's funny (laughs) let me tell you what you're getting into that's funny I paid attention and and I didn't you know that that relationship it didn't even develop into a relationship I kind of I kind of took my cue and I'm, I, I didn't really I don't really see myself as a animal communicator and I think that's probably what you uh, uncover in people Nora you're like people come to you with all types of capabilities and they don't have a name for it they don't realize it exactly so you probably communicate a lot more than you realize and you just think it's normal like, you right. knew it was normal. Like, that dog was kind of, kind of telling you something. You might not tell your friends that that happened, but you kind of feel like that's normal for you. And we don't talk about it. So we don't realize how many other people are exactly the same and have the same kind of stories that they could share. Because we don't want to be thought of as weird or crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, so we keep quiet. Mm-hmm. And... When I, Me, I, I don't care you know, if people think I'm crazy and weird. I kind of like the title. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I, we, I, we love it. We love it. And, and that's what I was going to ask you because, you know, I, I made that distinction that, hey, I'm not sitting on a cloud. I'm not better than anyone else. I'm very humble. And, uh, you know, things happen to me just like everyone else. And I'd like for you to talk about a regular day in your life where you had ants in your hair at the beginning of the day. Oh, yeah. I mean, it shit happens. That was such a, excuse me, this is a podcast, I should probably be polite. Um, That was a really, that was a true story. And I had to post it because it was, I want people to realize 
lousy stuff happens. You have those moments with just is lousy. And then if you allow the universe to be present to you, you just allow yourself to be present to what is exactly going on in this moment, not the fact that you were ants in your hair and you're not sure if they're even in your clothes right now because you were just at a dirty gym. Um, Be present to what's happening. You see beauty. And here I was spotting beauty in my yard that was filled with construction stuff. I mean, I had a beautiful yard. And it was ugly. But all of a sudden, I started seeing the beauty, these gorgeous roses these, that were right in the middle of everything, uh, these little flowers popping up around a ladder between the rungs. I mean, it was, you have, you have to be present. You have to be aware of what's occurring in this moment right now. Um, a lot like Eckhart Tolle talks about the power of now. Um, I don't agree totally with him with some of his teachings, but a lot of it I do. Being in the present moment, that power of being in this now moment is where you get your intuition, is where you speak to spirit, is where you feel the energy, is where your animal is. Your pet is in this present moment. They're not in what happened even a moment ago. That's why when a dog gets hurt accidentally, two seconds later, he's sitting on your lap wagging his tail, even though you just stepped on him by accident. Um, or why a cat doesn't, like, doesn't think twice that you chase him off to bed. It's like, well, that didn't exist. That doesn't exist in this moment. So I'm back on your bed again. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're always in present time. <laughs> They're always in present time. And in present time, in present awareness, like right now, if, if you just think of your hand and you just hold out your hand and feel what if your pinky feels like without touching it, what does my pinky feel like? Or what does my palm feel like? You're becoming aware of the energy around you and that you're emitting. And it's getting so familiar with that energy because you're always present that you start to feel the other energies that come in and around you. You know when it's a spirit, good or not good. You know when it's carrying a message. You know when it's just a message, no spirit uh, around, just an intuitive message coming to you to aid you. Um, You know when illness is there. All from just simply being aware of what's going on exactly right now. And people are like, well, that's kind of hard. No, it's not. It's actually hard not to be in the present moment. It just takes a little getting used to because we're always accustomed to what are we doing next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Absolutely. Yeah, and it's okay to plan for the future, but you've got to remember you're planning for the future in the present. Mm -hmm. You just don't even realize you are. You're so busy in your head. (laughs) I'd like to share another story, Nora, where uh, this was a couple of years ago, and another friend of mine, and she's psychic, and so we we had gone out to eat, and she has one of those little, you know, what do you call them, bag dogs, you know, those (laughs) dogs that girls carry in their purses and things like that. Oh, right, right, right. Right, so um, the dog was back at, at her place. And we had gone out to eat, and something happened, and it was, uh, I think we were both anxious as to what happened. And so we were like, well, trying to look at the picture and look at the spiritual significance of it. And we, all the way on the drive back to her place, and then we're sitting on the couch still talking about it. And then the dog jumped up between us and laid on my chest. And then that anxiety went away. We were like, what were we talking about again? So it was kind of... Like we say, oh, if you have intuition, this is one thing. But we were so into our head, and the dog was like, it's over. Forget about it. Exactly. So what the dog did was take the anxiety, before it, that energy, before it formed into an illness for you. That dog really mm. cared for you. Mm. Mm, interesting. Mm. Is that so one of the reasons why... Right. I'm sorry, David. No, I, I was going to say, is that one of the reasons why you hear stories of, um, like in senior retirement homes, 
they'll bring in like uh, cats and dogs for them because, and it just you know their energy shifts and uplifts their spirits and all that. I, I I truly believe that. Also, the animals love doing it because those older people are so present to them. They mm. don't have anything else going for them, so they're in that present moment. And he's just loving on the animal, and the animal's loving back. Mm. Love cures all. Love heals all. I know it sounds so 60s. Oh, love is everything, but it truly is. There's, I mean, the word love is so lacking in our vocabulary. It doesn't really embrace the power behind it. We think love, we think Valentine's and hearts and girlfriends, boyfriends, woo-hoo-hoo, coochie-coo. But it's love as it's all, as a power is so awesome, it can't be explained. Hence, God can't be explained because he's a power of love. Well, and there I'm trying to explain something that can't be explained. But that love between an animal and a human is intense. Yeah. Yeah, the other end of that spectrum is in um, my niece just had twins, and they had they have two dogs and it's like the dogs are automatically in line and sometimes there's concern of how will the dogs treat the babies but they already it's kind of like they're more in tune than we are as to how they're going to respond yeah and that doesn't mean you can't you don't need to be careful with animals i had a beautiful shepherd alaskan mix her name was sheba and never did i ever have a problem with a dog my grandson was born, and they were living with us at the time. And by the time he was a year and a half, Sheba snapped at him twice for no reason, absolutely no reason. And we had to find her another home. Now, we found her a home where that, that dog is treated like Queen Sheba. I, well, we joked that she was better off without us uh, for how well she's treated. But, you know, they are still animals, you still have to use common sense. You always marry intuition and logic. You marry them together. You don't just say, oh, well, maybe something is bad around the baby, and it's, no, bullshit. You, you take care of your young, you know. And so, but most of the time, most of the time, dogs know their place right away, and they back down, and they, and they immediately become of service to the mommy for the baby, or babies, as your niece's case. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to use your example for what you just said for your family. So I'll put it in a fictional movie, okay? So okay. let let's say that he, the uh, there was a, a child in the house since it's Halloween, right? So there is a child in the house, and the child is maybe one or two years old, and the dog snapped at at the child, right? And so you get rid of the dog, and ten years later the child does something unimaginable and it was like holy crap the dog knew it 20 years before <laughs> he saw his spirit <laughs> as his previous life and what he was going to do in this life and so he was snapping at it he was more psychic than anyone else <laughs> no what, what would i you would say about say, that movie what i would say is that the dog didn't understand the past life as much as the dog might have seen a dark entity enter the child or get attached uh, to the child. That's what uh, I would say. So if you want to make it a good story, you want to first have it be an attachment and then the child accepts the attachment and then slow uh, possession takes place. Now that's realistic. Okay. <laughs> Not that past lives, <laughs> Not that, I mean, past lives are totally realistic, but if we're going to make a movie, let's do it, you know. <laughs> first, well, hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second, Nora. I gotta, I gotta pause this so I can go make some popcorn, and I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. For this movie. So, what if it, what if um, it accepted the attachment because in a previous life maybe that was his partner. Uh, let's say it's a guy, right? We'll take the women off the table. So, this, this, this child that accepted this attachment was only accepting his relationship with his partner in crime in a previous life, and that was the way to get the gang back together. Ooh, that sounds interesting. So now that means the spirit that is being attached never crossed over. It's one of the lost right. souls. 
inside this realm. And because of the familiarity of the energy, the child immediately accepted it, not realizing that in this life it's actually accepting a, a hard situation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I like this. This is fun. Thanks for playing with us, Nora. I want to stay there for a second, if you don't mind. If you don't mind. Sure. Because <laughs> this is a great movie. Oh, my God. I was going to go to the movies. I, mean, now. I don't even want to go. <laughs> so let's, okay. So um, this lost soul, right, because it's my understanding that uh, well, between incarnations, they could, it could be centuries and such because we, the lost souls are so attracted or so attached to the earth realm if maybe they died unexpectedly or they died um, horrifically and so there's attachment that's why they're here and so how do we get them to realize I mean because sometimes I, I was it wasn't uh, Eckhart Tolle who was it it was another medium and he had a, a John I forget his name right now popular medium and then they had ran run across a lost soul and the soul still thought it was like 1840, and it was yes. you know, 2018. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's very sad. We've, I run across mm. them often. Um, they okay. will be attracted to people who they realize can help them. Eventually, they realize, some of them realize they need help. Uh, other times, I'm called to a house or asked to clean a house, and 99% of the time, it is a lost soul. They don't know what's going on. They really do think it's the same time, and it is horribly sad how do you help uh the best way is to stand in god's love and just pray and keep praying and asking light to come down that will direct the soul into the heaven that it belongs in to assist it across and actually using your mind envisioning it seeing the soul being carried and helped uh that is really the best way to do it now occasionally they don't go until they know you know what's going on for them. We had a situation where a little kid was run over by a horse horse and carriage. And it was in the 1600s. It was in Chester County, Pennsylvania. And the little kid died. And that soul has been there since. But once it realized, like, we were there to help it, um, and that we were willing to listen to what happened to it, it was then able to see its parents on the other side. It was then able, because it lightened up. It was like, okay, I can kind of trust these people talking to me. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Some souls run like a bat out of hell because this is hell for them to be trapped. Mm-hmm. And they're happy somebody's praying and helping them. Others need we call, I call it ghost psychology. You just they just need somebody to listen to them, and then they're willing to go. Mm. Now you get some that, really nasty ones, very nasty mm. ones, and people think, "Oh, I got a demon. There's a demon in my home, and he's no." Ninety nine percent of the time, it's not a demon. It's a spirit that's so angry and so filled with venom, and it's furious because it's so trapped, and you just mm. need to go in there and help it. And then all of a sudden the house isn't haunted and the family isn't being bothered. Yep. Uh, it sounds like uh, we're getting interference from some spirit that wants to join in on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys I are usually, hearing that. Hopefully I, it's not just me. No, no, I, I did. I heard a voice. That's why I stopped talking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Somebody's asking for help. Okay. <laughs> It, it, and it's not uncommon. So, David, if you could help me ground, uh, and then we can kind of set that energy um, back to the energy with us, just us three, that would be great. <laughs> so uh, with the ghost psychologies in the examples you mentioned, it may, be, it may have been a, uh, a degree away from the family. Have you found where it was an immediate uh, relationship with the family, like it could have been a, a generation yeah. five five generations removed? Oh, we found them even closer where, you know, you think grandma crossed over, but she didn't. She didn't mm-hmm. want to leave the family, so she stayed behind. Eventually, she crossed over because she realized she wasn't being of service. Um, and I also tell people, and this is so true, look, just because you're dead and you crossed over, it doesn't mean you're any smarter and you know a better answer. 
So they come to me as a medium, and what would my dad want me to do? Well, he's going to want you to do exactly what he wanted you to do most likely when he was in this lifetime. They don't lose their personality. Mm-hmm. It's free will. You need to look at your life for yourself, from yourself, and make those decisions. But often people think just because the person died, they have all the answers. No, it, it's a, there's a lot more to it than just dying, crossing over, and ah, voila, everything's perfect. There's a lot right. of learning on that side, too. Right. Yeah, knowledge is definitely we will continue to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know in Catholic school growing up, it was like, oh, you're going to die, go to heaven, and you're going to know everything, and you'll never have any questions, and everything will be just right. For my experience, you know, as a medium, as a spiritual person, a psychic, um, I don't quite get it that way, and I'm still a devout Catholic. I just don't. Mm-hmm necessarily believe it's so black and white. It's way too complex for our small little brains to even begin to understand. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I just sure. live in the mystery of it, and I look forward to the wondering, the, the wonder of it when it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the, the book uh, Animal Speak? It's a pocket guide yes. with Ted Andrews. Oh, my God, I love that book. What do you, what's your take? I mean, I'm sure it's like with other people that uh, there's a school of thought with with dream books. Like, you don't really need a dream book because it's up for you to interpret. And but right, I'm 100% anti dream books. I, I, okay. When it's something you absolutely cannot figure out to save your life, I tell people go ahead use a dream book. But in all my dream courses and anytime I speak about dreams, I tell them. It's the symbolism is coming from your higher self, your spiritual guide, your, your spirit in its highest realm. And it's talking to you through symbols. So the symbol is going to be what it knows you're going to make it mean, not what the guy who wrote in the book means. So when I see an apple in a dream, that's illness, that's sickness to me. In any dream book you pick up, an apple will never say illness or sickness. But my spirit and higher self knows my relationship with apples and why I would say it's sickness and illness. Mm -hmm. So it's really vital to interpret the symbols the way you understand them. Now, I love Animal Speaks, and there's a lot of really interesting stuff in it, but it's it's not what I'm talking about with communicating one on one with the animal. It's more understanding what the animal represents for that tradition, the tradition the writer comes from. Mm-hmm. But I found it fascinating. I, I mean, I love reading so, uh, any of those books. So, yeah. Do you deal with all, since we're talking about animals, do you deal at all with uh, totems and a person's uh, animal totem? I, you know, I'm not against a person having an animal totem, it's however a spirit chooses to appear that makes you comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't tell you what my animal totem was or is because I don't really have a need to know. I have a relationship with a particular guide or angel. I don't even know if it's a guide or an angel. I just know that this area is there whenever I need them or her. I don't even know if it's a he or her. I just know that energy. I just know it's there for me. Where a Native American will know the bear or the eagle or the snake, whatever their animal totem is, is there for them because that's their tradition. What we grow up in, our traditions and our religions really play a role in helping us grow spiritually. One way is not better than the other. It's just one of a gazillion ways to connect, to find that spirituality, and they come to us in ways that we are accustomed to having them come. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I was asking, because you are in a rich land, and I'm not being biased just because I'm from Tri-State too, but, you know, <laughs> I think of Revolutionary War, I think of uh, the Native Americans that were there beforehand, and so there are some that, like you said, are lost souls that are still there that may try to talk to you and I was just wondering if they're oh you we said did a clearing. We're, we're on one level and if I ate Cheetos in this life right but if mm-hmm. I if I you are in my life and we were both Native American in 1585 
I'm trying to reach to you, and how would I do that? I'm just trying to better understand that. I don't know if you would want to. So you're alive in this lifetime because there are lessons and things that you need to accumulate now. So being alive in this lifetime has its mess. Our past lives, according to Edgar Casey, and I kind of lean toward his philosophies. Now, Edgar Casey, for those who might not know, was the American psychic. He's thousands of readings. They're all recorded in Virginia Beach. He's done health readings, spiritual readings, you name it. And he died in the 1940s. Okay, that's it on him. He says our past lives affect us as much as the zodiac affects us. If we do not use our free will in this lifetime, they will have a pull on us and will kind of lean in the direction that we have based on our zodiac and based on our past lives. But our free will instantly overrides all of that, and we need to be present and aware of what's going on now and focus on the, our life in this moment, in this lifetime, to get the lessons we need without worrying about those other pulls that will only pull on us if we don't pay attention. So it's like being in the water in Atlantic City. You got a little bit of a current. It's not really pushing you away from the lifeguard, but it's kind of nudging you down away from the lifeguard. And every once in a while, you got to walk toward the lifeguard so you kind of stay in front of him. So they'll pull you if you're not paying attention and staying present. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That, that's a good point, and it makes me think of your your aunt example at the beginning of the day, an interpretation or perception. Because at the time, it may feel like, oh, my goodness, this is the worst thing that happened to me. But after, after it happens and you reflect back on it, it's like, oh, this hap- I needed it. Like, uh, it could have been in a dream where you saw an animal, but you, didn't, you couldn't interpret it until the next day because it was trying to alert you to what was going to happen. Yeah, I like that. Mm. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, David! We gotta keep her. That never happened. As <laughs> if it matters. <laughs> yeah. Now I can die in peace. Nora agrees yeah, there with you us. Go, right? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> That's what uh, I'll see the Eagles fan if she just agree with you. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You kind of, kind of, you didn't brush over, and thanks for giving a brief overview of Edgar Casey. But you actually were a volunteer with the foundation. I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your experience with that foundation. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. So um, I was at a course where a Caroline Lieris, who I mentioned earlier, she was a lead psychic for the ARE, the Association of Research and Enlightenment. That's the Casey Foundation. She was a lead psychic for over 20 years, and I was at a seminar she was doing, and Henry Reed, one of their other lead um, teachers. And they mentioned the need for volunteers to assist with extreme psychic cases. If you're interested, during break, Check out, you know, sit in the other room. Somebody will tell you about it. I was so amazed by these couple of women. And they talked about cases where, oh, there'd be blood on a windshield and, you know, the person didn't know what to do or they're being scratched or they're being assaulted uh, by spirits. And I was mesmerized. And they were explaining how all that comes to you is created by you. And these are Casey teachings. So you're not going to have a spirit attack you unless there's a part of you that's inviting an attack. And I, I was like, wow, it kind of makes sense. So I got trained by this group. And what would happen is people from around the world would call the foundation with all kinds of questions. And when they would hit on somebody who had an extreme paranormal experience, they would turn them over to us. And uh, my first book, The Spiritual Psychic, has four different stories of the many cases that I've worked with. Um, All of them, all of them were frightening to the person it was occurring to. All of them knew they were crazy. All of them were desperate. And as they started looking within and finding that beacon, that 
signal that was vibrating inside of them attracting this nightmare. Once they recognized it and could turn it off, it started changing. And they found their freedom and were able to control and stop these things from happening to them. And really, it is that simple. We create our realities. I mean, who says that all the time? I think it was mm-hmm. uh, Wayne Dyer. You, you know, you create your reality. That is so true. And that's where the Casey comes from, his teachings. Everything you create, you, nothing bad in your life happened because of somebody else or something else. Now, I can hear the people yelling at your, your podcast right now. Yeah, well, you don't know what my father's like. No, but the way you interpreted his behavior as hatred towards you versus he has a severe illness and doesn't know how to handle himself. And it was no longer, I'm bad and I deserve this abuse, but my father's sick and he needs help. Totally two different powerful ways, I mean, two different ways to look at it. One, you become a victim. One, you're empowered. When you become a victim, you start to vibrate at the victim level spirits that are weak, that are, I mean, spirits that are dark or spirits that are trapped, that are vibrating at a very sad, dark level are attracted to you, like attracts like. When you're empowered, what gets attracted to you? High-level spirits. Hence, you spirit communicating, uh, you're finding answers more easily, life just seems to work for you. And that's a lot of what the uh, battered boundaries was like. Unfortunately, they shut it down a, maybe five, ten years ago um, over one volunteer making a bad mistake. And they just, you know, didn't want to take any chances and shut the whole thing down, which broke my heart because they were in it for over 20, 30 years. These women were just phenomenal how they helped people. I was fortunate to be with them only for three years, but that three years was invaluable. I learned so much. Do you, it makes me think of, of uh, I'm a child, I guess, or a splinter from Berkeley Psychic Institute, and one of the, the students there started Horizon Center here in Atlanta, and that's how I, you know, I was searching like most people and then you kind of find kind of like you find the ARE and when that group broke apart uh, did you were you ever thinking about doing something in your neck of the woods something similar um i help i still do i help groups that ask me to so occasionally i'll get a phone call from a paranormal group that are like look we we really do know something's there, and we don't want to leave the family with confirmation something's there. They don't need confirmation. They need somebody to help them clear it out. Are you willing to talk to them? Um, I do have that. I offer it as a service on my website, but, you know, between me, you, and the podcast, don't let this out. I rarely charge, even though I have a charge up there, because I feel for the people. I just feel they need the help and I, why not help them? Mm-hmm. Um, it can, but it is hard work to get a person to look within. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's, there's a lot of psychology involved. A lot, you know, you have to understand that if you're, you know, just I'm using daddies as examples and that might not be fair, but if your daddy molested you and you remember he did and you're like, it's okay, I made peace with it, you might not have made peace with it. It's the part of you that's still vibrating that you deserve to be abused that way. It's going to continue until you really make peace with that emotion. Sometimes we can clear it. Sometimes the person needs to get counseling, and then it clears. It really depends how deep. I mean, I've worked with one case. It's in my first book. Uh, She was literally sexually assaulted by an incubus and a succubus. I mean, it was just a nightmare. This woman was being beat, beat regularly, nightly. Finally, uh, her husband woke because they would keep him down so that he didn't know what was going on. He actually saw her body being thrown around the room. I mean, this is like bizarre stuff. You're afraid to tell anybody this is happening because they're going to think you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, So it took a lot for that woman to call for help. 
Her only reason for finally trusting to call for help was they were going to charge her husband with assaulting her. And she's like, it's not my husband. I swear, it's not my husband. It really was. Her father was uh, a sadistic bastard. And she finally admitted to it and started realizing the conversation. And the whole story is in the book. But she did a huge breakthrough. And by the grace of God, it took us two hours, only two hours. Wow. I mean, most times it it really does move that fast because we do it in prayer. I'm always, I pray and meditate before I get started. I'm praying when I'm talking to the person, not out loud in my head. I never stop that connection because I know I'm not the one coming up with the right words. I know it's spirit coming from God guiding me. I really like that. And and I think the my takeaway that I'm, that I've heard over this past hour is that uh, psychology and that psychology that's needed uh, both in this life and you also mentioned ghost psychology it made me think of because there seems to be an uptick of suicides and so they oh, may yeah. be using it as an escape but you're saying that they're still i mean <laughs> you're not escaping from that you're still going to have to deal with it both in the actual yes. and when you return so oh um, yeah same lessons and sometimes harder breaks my heart it's so mm-hmm. sad the suicide situation in our country. In fact, that's mm-hmm. funny you mentioned it because last week, um, two different messages from two different people who were looking to commit suicide. One of them actually went on my little sh- my little Facebook show with a call out to help, and I'm like, holy cow! If you have the energy to type in here right now what you just typed in here, you want to live. So don't give up on us. And thank God for the community. The community were all texting to this person on the show to have the strength to call for help, and they finally called the 800 crisis number. Mm-hmm. But uh, somebody else in the week happened to message me. They were devastated. They, they just couldn't continue. And I'm like, whoa, honey, here's the 800 number to a crisis thing. I'm not a crisis counselor, so I wouldn't dare attempt that. But... I'm there, I listen, and I encourage, and I try to, I'm praying the whole time that they get on the phone and get the help they need. And thank God both people did, but, you know, I don't look forward to those kind of messages. No. You kind of feel responsible. But you bring up a really good point, Nora, because in in 2019, people are using social media like Facebook or Facebook Live to do these things, and so they're... You know, Facebook's trying to respond by, you know, putting stopgaps in there where they can get in cut, uh, contact with the crisis hotlines and such uh, because it's, like you're saying, if you're, if you're going to take the time to get on Facebook Live and do this, you really don't want to exit out, uh, but it is a huge cry for help. So hopefully those people It was a huge cry for help, right, mm-hmm. people helping. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful that they have the courage and that, they said something before they lost that last little bit of courage and just ended it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we covered the gamut and, and emotion, so i like to bring some levity back just to close out. Are people happy to come to your house for Halloween? And if so, what that means, what kind of candy do you give out? <laughs> I live on Broad Street. I live on Broad Street. Nobody comes. Kids do not come to Broad Street. But we did have the Eagles Parade right down the block, right in front of us. And we used to have the New Year's Parade right in front of us and the Columbus Day Parade. You know, they changed all the damn parade routes. So I don't have trick-or-treaters or parades. It's such an outrage. Uh. <laughs> I, sometimes, I sometimes, for the fun of it, will go to one of my sister's or brother's houses and, you know, watch the kids get their candy. But anymore... At my age, I don't even follow my grandchildren around. I just don't give a hoot. I find it boring. <laughs> that was a, a double entendre, a give a hoot, animal communication. I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was totally by accident. <laughs> uh, you guys, were such a pleasure to talk to. Thank you for Absolutely. having me. Absolutely. And, and yeah. we would be remiss if we didn't allow you to highlight your website, your books again, and contact information. You mentioned a Facebook uh, show as well. Highlight all that so people can get in contact with you. Oh, my website's into intuition.com, I-N-T-O, 
I-N-T-U-I-T-I-O-N.com. And my two bestsellers are The Spiritual Psychic and The Science of Intuition. And I am not sure if my Facebook Live is going to continue. Uh, We're debating about keeping it going because I just released an online course that requires a lot of my time. But if you're on Facebook, join our page, Into Intuition page, and should I go live and do free readings again, you'll know because you're you're following the page. Fantastic. And you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. Nora, thanks for allowing us to tune into your radio station. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. too.